So the nice thing is you burped in the middle of my sentence, but I can cut that out. Oh, I thought it was I so quiet. You. I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. I can mute you on okay. that. I can, because we're separate tracks, I you can mute. You should just mute me for most of this. Anyway. I'll just mute you for the entire thing. Okay. Hello, and welcome to the 10th episode of Where the People Aren't. I'm Jesse, And I'm Allie. And today we are talking about Jungle to Jungle, unfortunately. What a celebration of completing 10 episodes of our podcast. Firecracker noise. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. <laughs> yeah, we picked a real stinker for our 10th one. Oh, don't put we in this statement. This was all you. We have to do this movie. I love this movie. Never meet your heroes, everyone. <laughs> Fiona's been texting me that she watched Rent and she had Ooh. all these criticisms of it. And I told her, like, I'm not going to rewatch it because I don't want to ruin my childhood memories of how much I loved it because I know it's not good. I never got that into Rent. Loved Rent. Loved it. Knew every- I probably still know every word. I'll go to my grave knowing every word. I mean, I know a number of the songs was because I was a theater kid and sure. you can't not at that point. But I never got into it. I just they, didn't didn't get it, I guess. They did a tour several years ago with the original Broadway cast, and I feel like we saw that one, but I'm not sure. Movie facts. No, ma'am. Oh, origin story. No, ma'am. Year facts. Year facts. Year facts. I've only done this nine times. Give us that 1997 depressive news. So we've already covered a lot of 1997 stuff with George of the Jungle, and I had a hard time, if anyone remembers, coming up with facts that weren't really depressing because a lot of really bummer shit happened that year. And then we realized that this movie was also 1997 and did not know what to do with ourselves. Yeah, we're not allowed to do any other 1997 <laughs> movies because I, I had to really do, I had to go like three pages in on Google to find these. If we end up with another 97 one, I'll do the year facts. Thank you. Just make things up. Who's going to look it up? No one's. No one cares. <laughs> no one's even listening to our podcast, so it's fine. <laughs> it's true. I already said on during George that the biggest song of the year was the rewrite of Candle in the Wind. The second biggest hits, I'm guessing that they were both the same amount of hit-age. They were equally hit-like. Hit right. Were Foolish Games and You Were Meant for Me by Jewel. Oh. Maybe it was like a double release. I don't know how the music industry works. Pepsi Cola held a contest to win a life-size replica of the Simpsons house located in Henderson, Nevada, just outside of Las Vegas, or $75,000. It was one of those, like, look, it does the, the code on the bottom of the cap match, whatever the code we're going to give out. Right. The winner chose the money. Sure. Uh, so the house was repainted and sold. It was painted to look like the interior as well. Oh, wild. It's really cool. Like, everybody should Google it. It was, like, pretty fun. And they just repainted the whole thing beige. And there oh, were all of sorts of problems with it. Like, it was part of an HOA, and they were not happy with the Simpsons house being there. Oh. How did they get away with being part of an HOA and painting it like the Simpsons house? I don't know. Because those people are notoriously awful. It, I mean, it was uh, it was Pepsi, so it might have just been a money matter. Fair enough. We will pay you to let us do this thing. Please. Toy company Mattel sued MCA Records over Danish pop group Aqua's song, Barbie Girl. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> no. They actually sued them. 
The lawsuit was dismissed, citing the First Amendment's protection of parody, and the judge advised Mattel to, quote, chill. Unquote. I do remember that. I remember the quote, the judge telling them to chill. It said something like, the prosecuting party is advised to chill. <laughs> if I had to be remembered for something in life, it would, that would be a good one. Hiya, Bobby. Hi, Ken. You want to go for a ride? Sure, Ken. Jump in. I'm a Bobby girl in the Bobby world. Laughing plastic. It's a pretty fun song. I just sent my sister a gif from that music video like it two is. days ago. It's a weird, weird thing. That was that weird pocket of the late 90s with Aqua and Len and the Mighty Mighty Bostones. That was Len, just really I fun. had a Len CD. Hell I, yeah. That was the only, the big song of theirs I ever, the only song of theirs I ever heard was I, Steal My Sunshine. Sunshine. Feel My Sunshine, yeah. right. I had their CD. It was actually, I remember actually enjoying it. Now I want to go find it on Spotify. Dude, I like 90s pop and like 90s yeah. all pop. It's fun. It's fun and mostly completely nonsensical. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, None of it makes it? any sense. Eiffel 65? Blue. There's, um, there's a documentary about how they made that song and that group of people are weird. Really? Yeah, they were like some weird like music collective. Like it's just a bunch of people in a building making their own music and they all just kind of got together and made this song. Yeah, man. That's like it's, 90s hippie. Yeah. Chumba Wumba is a was known as an anarcho punk band for years. Really? Oh yeah. Will Didn't had they like just put out something new. They might have. Will had I like a Jim bunch Will of their did. albums and stuff because it was weird. And he played me some of their stuff. I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. Yeah. Also in Mattel news, to Mattel, to from Mattel, the company released its first disabled doll, Share a Smile Becky, who came with a wheelchair. Sounds pretty cool, but don't get too excited, Jess. The doll was met with controversy when it was pointed out that Barbie's dream house was not wheelchair accessible. <laughs> Is that when they added an elevator to Barbie's dream house? Did they? I think there's an elevator in it now. Oh, so it's for accessibility and not just because she's like a Kardashian. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Soft rock singer and alley lookalike John Denver dies in an aircraft accident. <laughs> God, that was such a bad haircut. I had an unfortunate haircut for a while. I went through oh, my awkward stage and You caught it and I just looked at you and I was like, God, you just look like John Denver. He was a handsome man, I don't care. Own I'm it. honored to have been compared to him. <laughs> Del- uh, WebMD went online, convincing millions of people they have cancer anytime they feel a muscle twitch. That was in ninety seven. Nineteen ninety seven. Also, don't wow. ever go to WebMD. No, I did once. It was a terrifying experience. Did they did they tell you you have cancer? They might have. I don't know. They gave me like thirty options for what I might have, which isn't helpful at all. Pick whichever one you like best. This what is sounds America. good for you. And on March seventh, nineteen ninety seven, the cinematic wonder that is Jungle to Jungle is released in theaters. Oofda. And the world was never the same. Never the same, indeed. Jungle to Jungle was directed by John Pasquin. It was written by Bruce A. Evans and Reynold Gideon. The music was done by Michael Convertino. Manhattan broker Michael Cromwell is engaged to fiance Charlotte, but needs a divorce from his estranged wife, Patricia, who's been living in the Amazon with a native tribe for years. Michael travels to the Amazon and discovers he has a son, teen Mimi Siku, who begs to be taken to the city to fulfill a quest for his tribe. At first, things don't go so smoothly for the kid from the jungle, but soon the boy and his dad bond. Is that it? That's it. I mean, <laughs> what is that? Is that from Google? That I did not mark it down. It must have been from Google, though. Okay. Yeah. Like, so that's a thing. Okay. 
so yeah, uh, that's, I mean, I guess it's a synopsis. It tells you, but I'm like, oh, but there's so much more. It's, there's so much more depth. Released March 7th, 1997. It had a budget of $32 million and a box office of $59.9 million. It's not very good. But it's respectable. I mean, like you made, they made almost twice of what they spent. So yeah, I guess so. That's not bad. I wonder what Manhattan broker Michael Cromwell would say. It has a 5.2 out of 10 on IMDb, a 42% on Metacritic, and a whopping 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that's certified rotten, isn't it? I think it might be, yeah. that's. We're here to tell you why that is wrong. Or we are here to affirm that statement because this movie sucked. What? I'm kind of amazed by the Metacritic one at 42%. Like, I looked at Metacritic and somebody rated this with like a 75%. They're from the Amazon. They appreciated the representation. That or they're super white. One or the other. One or the other, clearly. It was actually nominated for some awards. Sam Huntington, who played Mimisiku, was nominated for Best Performance by a Young Actor for the Saturn Awards. Tim Allen was nominated for the Blockbuster Entertainment Awards as the favorite actor. And I don't know what these are. The Blimp Awards? (laughs) Is that a Nickelodeon thing? You Didn't they would think they would call it the Nickelodeon you would Kids think. Choice I don't know. Awards. What's the, Blimp isn't Blimp. Didn't they have Blimp as like a was logo? that was that the Kids Choice Awards? I bet it was I don't because there the award was a Blimp. It was a like uh, lime green Blimp. Oh yeah, it is absolutely for the Kids Choice Awards. I used to watch the shit out of those when I was a child. Well, there you go. Uh, Tim Allen was nominated for favorite movie actor for that. They won none of these. What I a shame. I wonder who he lost to. You'd have to look up who won that in 1997 because I'm, I'm not. I bet I watched that show in 1997 because Hansen was for sure nominated. Oh, I didn't tell you. Yesterday, I closed and my two coworkers are a 25-year-old and like a 24-year-old. Yeah. And one of them answered the phone. The 25-year-old answered the phone and hung up and went, oh, the caller ID on that, the last name was Hansen. Have you ever heard of that band? And I died inside. And I just, <laughs> I just went, I just went... Yeah, I've heard of him. And then I walked away. You know that meme of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Like, do not quote the ancient magic to me. <laughs> I was definitely thinking that, but I decided it wasn't worth it. I was like, I only have two hours left at work, and she doesn't have to know about how I had two GeoCities websites. And it was a. They probably don't even know what GeoCities is anymore. GeoCities. GeoCities was the good one. Angel Fire was the bad one. Things just 90s kids know. I found an Angel Fire website for this movie. I can't believe you haven't told me that. Is it all bright colors? No, it was surprisingly tasteful. Like a fan site? Yeah, it was like a fan site for Jungle to Jungle. Wow. It was Oh. It wow. sent me down a path. I went all the way like to the Wayback Machine to try to find the Disney site for this movie because they had some sort of like interactive survival guide that you could like play through on for this movie. Okay. But I could not find it. Anywhere. Oh, it wasn't I saved on the was Wayback Machine. Fun. Remember, like, those, like, point and click kind of games where, like, oh, yeah. you point on it and it would, like, open a thing up and stuff like that? I like, think it was your like own that, adventure, kind of. Kind of, but I it could not find anything that had it. It's no longer listed on anywhere on their site. So it's amazing. But yeah, I found an Angel Fire site for it. I saw that. I was like, I'm clicking this link. <laughs> I don't oh my know God. if it's going to still be there, but I bet there we go. that so many Angel Fire sites are, like, just ridden with malware now. Probably. One of my proud moments as a child was finding a bunch of white supremacy sites on Angel Fire and emailing Angel Fire and being like, did you know that you're hosting white supremacy? I was like 12 and I got a bunch taken down. Good for you. I've always been a little radical. What a pain in the ass. 
All right, Allie, tell us of the origins of this spectacular film. Okay, so here's the thing. There isn't really an origin story. So when we started doing the origin story for this podcast or the origin story segment for this podcast, it was because so many Disney movies are adaptations of fairy tales or books or Pocahontas, the real life, not at all altered historical story of the settling of America as Hercules. We're not ready for that yet. A blow by blow reenactment of the actual (laughs) mythology. This mm. was just a movie. It was just a movie. Somebody in France thought it up and decided to make it into a movie. So this movie is based on the French film. I don't know how to say it in French. I'm not even going to try. I've had five sips of a can of wine, so I'm not even going to attempt it. But it's Little Indian Big City. So this is already a problematic name. Already. Without any real word on their parts. uh, Yeah. The word Indian is tenuous at best unless you're talking about people from India. India. So the, from what I can tell, I haven't watched the original movie. I know it looks like from the descriptions I've read, from the trailer I watched, it looks like it is a shot for shot. The Jungle Jungle is a shot for shot remake of it. Yeah, I, I watched the trailer and I'm like, oh, this is just the same thing. It's except the same. In New York. The guy even looks like Tim Allen. Yeah. Except it is set in Paris, not in New York. And what really killed me, and I read a couple different reviews where this was pointed out, it was when it was it was a big hit in France for some reason, but when it was released in America under Walt Disney, they it, redubbed it, right? They yeah yeah Walt Disney released it, they dubbed it, and the people hated that it was dubbed because dubbing is terrible. If you don't do it, I mean, even when you do it well, it's just not good. It's awful. There's a reason that dubbed anime is like a trope. Yeah. Because it's awful. So I would like to read to you a few of the reviews. These were the first things I gathered from this movie were the reviews of the original film, which are some of the spiciest takes that I have ever read. So Little Indian Big City, which Roger Ebert dubbed, quote, one of the worst movies ever made, unquote. He continues, I detested every moronic minute of it. Through a stroke of good luck, the entire third reel was missing the day I saw it. (laughs) His business partner, Gene Siskel, observed that if the third reel had been the missing reel from Orson Welles' The Magnificent Ambersons, this movie still would have sucked. Damn. That's cold, right? Is that the Roger Ebert review that also had the line, if you ever go see this movie, you can't ever read my reviews ever again? Yes, it did. Like, he was really like, no, you just can't even read my reviews. If you go see this movie. He was he was very anti this movie. I love Roger Ebert. I talked to Will about it. I, re- I read that quote to him, and he thought it was funny. And he told me that he used to watch Siskel and Ebert when he was a kid. And he always found Roger Ebert to be more... He was really good at differentiating different genres. So, like, yeah. he wouldn't judge a kid's movie super harshly. because Right, he would judge movie. it as a kid's movie. But Will's, Will said, But I always, like, watch Gene Siskel discuss movies, and I always thought... Do you even like film? <laughs> yeah. No, I used to watch these too because they were on like network television, just like right. And we didn't have cable. It was like or right before like, Entertainment Tonight or something. Which my mother watched all the time. I don't know why me she too. didn't watch Mary movies. Hart. It was everyone's birthday. She told you what your I... birthday word was. Um, my mom doesn't like watch movies, so I never understood why she was so into Entertainment Tonight, but we would always watch that. But yeah, Jen. The Siskel and Ebert was always on, and we would watch it. And yeah, Siskel never actually seemed like he ever enjoyed movies at all. Was he just super critical? Because I used to watch it sometimes, but not. I, it wasn't. I wasn't religious about it. 
he just always just I mean he always just seemed like it was asking a lot of him to even deign to watch a movie. <laughs> oh, so he was like Ego. Anton Ego. I don't know who that is. In Ratatouille. Oh, sure. Bringing it back around to Disney references. Pull it back together. Also, a review from the Spokesman Review from Spokane. Spokane, not Spokane? Spokane? Spokane. Spokane. Somebody from Spokane. Let us know if that's what we're saying. Compared Jungle to Jungle to Little Indian Big City and called Jungle to Jungle a virtual clone but less charming. (laughs) It's pretty harsh. It goes on. As for the ethnic flavored jokes, Alan's nightmare on Bodega Street line when he's on a Venezuelan payphone, which is a line that he says. Yep. The crude way in which Russians are portrayed. Okay, they're gangsters, but why Russians? Because Italians would complain. The patronizing manner in which the members of Mimisiku's tribes are treated. And the tired, obligatory, and largely inaccurate joke about how New York City cab drivers don't speak English. Forget political correctness. This stuff is boring trite, lazy, to say nothing of contemptuous. This guy was ahead of his times. This film really inspired film critics to take no prisoners and shoot everybody on sight. They were pissed. It was awful. It was pretty bad. I guess the most wild thing to me is like, the original movie of this was literally made a year before this one. I think it was released in March of 1996. Yeah, so like that came out, Disney dubbed it and released it, and it did so poorly they're like, well, we're gonna just remake it with american actors they double down but like that's such a quick turnaround on that that's pretty wild to me so Allie, yeah this was your idea okay (laughs) so here's the thing when i was a kid my grandmother my grandma dorothy would visit us and she didn't know anything about us so she would just do what she thought kids liked she would bring disney movies and this was one of the movies she brought had the big white squishy box big white squishy box so my grandmother gave it to us and that's how i know this movie and she was i guarantee you she never watched it but she was also super racist so it tracks (laughs) that grandma dorothy gave us this movie i know that i saw it because i definitely remember having a crush on sam huntington yes because at the you know tender age of 12 this kid was yeah, I said hell. one of my lines is I had a big crush on Mimi Siku when this movie came out, but I was 10, so it was legal. Yeah, but so I remember watching it, but I don't know that I have much more memory beyond that. Like, I remember the kid running around New York in his loincloth, but other than that, like, I don't know. But yeah. watching it now, who boy. And it really doesn't have a, it doesn't have a bad cast. No, it's actually a pretty great cast. I love Martin Short. I love Martin Short, and David Ogden Stiers is in it. I don't know what but happened to Sam like, Huntington, but he, I think he ended up doing a bunch of like CW shows or he's on Friday Night Lights. I don't know. I'm going to do IMDb him right now. I know he went into like TV stuff. Uh, he's still pretty cute. Not going to lie. <laughs> Good. Good for Mimi Siku. Good for Mimi Siku. Let's see. Oh, he's does like, yeah, just like TV stuff. He's like a bit actor on stuff. He was on this. Rosewood. I don't know what that is. I don't know that one. Me either. Oh, he was on Being Human. The Jean Cleese thing? No, that was like a, it's like a, a sci-fi fantasy show thing. Oh, apparently oh, he, he was on an episode of Veronica Mars. He looks exactly the same, but older. Still cute. Yeah, not bad looking. Oh, he's old. He's only like three years older than me. Mm. Just because you're a baby. 
a year younger than you. I'm a baby. Yeah, well, baby. I know, he's still pretty cute. Yeah, he does look exactly the same, though, just with a beard. Yes. Good for you, Sam Huntington. Yeah, we're happy for you. Get it, Sam Huntington. Okay, moving on. But yeah, so thank you for making me sit through this movie. You're welcome. It was rough. I did not make Connor sit through it with me. I asked Will to watch it, and he said yes, and then I just did it without him, and I'm really glad I did, because yeah. I feel like he would have just straight up not had a good time. No, I Connor would have probably had a good time just because he likes terrible things, and we would have just torn it to shreds while we were watching it, but... What if he was like, man, this movie really points out a lot of really good things? I don't think I would still be with Connor at this I'm point if I thought he would think that. could have wrecked your whole relationship. It could have. So there are very, very few notes to make on this movie because there's just no information out there. It's, it's almost very, like they buried it because they were ashamed. It's almost like nobody gave a shit about this movie, so no one's done any research. I have a, I have a few production notes. I found an article about... I was interviewing Sam Huntington and about like how he went down to Venezuela. And he got I thought to, you said you were interviewing him. I was I, like, I, I personally what? called him up. Did not tell you. <laughs> But so he's he, like he went down to Venezuela for like five weeks and they did all filming and he like he didn't speak any of the language but him and the kids all just like hung out and played around because kids can do that without having any actual language. Yeah, kids are so precious. Um, I do have some notes about his spider. His giant spider is a Goliath bird eating spider. Fucking missed me by a mile with that <laughs> shit. Missed Which is- me. Actually native to Venezuela, so score one for Disney for once. All right, they did one good thing. It was played by 12 different spiders, Uh, which each ate two mice a week. Mice? I thought they were bird-eating spiders. Apparently, they don't actually eat birds that often. Like, if they get one, they will, but they mostly eat, like, other big bugs. I screamed when I first saw a tarantula in Animal Crossing, and that's a video game, so I don't even (laughs) want to think about having a fucking... Big ass spider. No, no. Their fangs were capped, so they couldn't actually bite anyone. Oh, but apparently they can't even like kill you. They're apparently, I don't know he's not credited. The dentist that fanged the spiders was not credited. Shout out to that guy. Shout out to that guy. Shout out to the spider fang capper. But apparently, it like Wikipedia compares their bite to like a wasp sting, so they can't even kill you. So all the like to do in the movies. But the females can live 15 to 25 years. Hell yeah, ladies. Hell yeah, ladies. The guys Get die it. off at about six. Oh, really? Yeah. Bunch of cougars. Bunch of cougars. And apparently, like, they can, when they're, like, scared or, like, wary, they can release hairs that can mm-hmm. be really irritating to the skin. So, like, every time that he touched the spider, he had to wash his hands right away after. Oh. Yeah, that's because- a tarantula thing. I know that. That they were, yeah. like, Yeah. But like, and I I found a video on GQ, because this is where we ended up with this movie, called, oh, I forgot what it was called. Hold on. Maybe I still have it up. How to fashionably wash spider fibers out of your skin. No, but it was like, oh, it's called Breakdown. So they have like this, what was he, a zoologist or something who was talking about animals in movies and like what's accurate and what's not. And so he said that the way that like Mimisuku is handling the spider is actually super accurate. You just tap it a little bit and it'll get into its little basket or whatever. And it's fine. The spider chasing Michael around the beach was completely not real at all. They know that they're they're not like chihuahuas. They have like a side is perspective i'm sure perception well, but like even that like they're if they even if like the stories of people are like oh the spider chased me like no the spider was probably terrified and trying to get out of there and just yeah. happened to be going in your direction yeah so that was the not accurate but him, you're not gonna make me sympathetic to the spider 
It was a sweet spider. The spider shouldn't have been so fucking big and hairy and gross looking. Look, the spider is just doing what it was made to do, all right? Chasing Tim Allen. He didn't into the chase. Water. No, that was actually like a robot. That would still scare me. That's fair. The thing that killed me about watching the trailer for that original movie is that that spider scene is like exactly Exactly. the same. It's exactly the same. It's wild. I hated it. There is a note that I found on IMDb that apparently they lost an entire day's worth of film Mm. in a taxi. Maybe it was the third reel again, as Roger (laughs) Ebert prophesied. And it was never recovered. I can find nothing corroborating this. this, Everything refers back to the IMDb thing, so it could be totally fake. But first of all, who's carrying the film in a taxi? And what poor PA got fired because they couldn't keep track of some film? Do you remember when that Apple employee left a prototype for, I think, the iPhone 6 in a bar? Shut up. Left it in a bar. Why did you have this thing that is... Well, they're testing it. Yeah, but how many millions of dollars is that prototype worth? And you brought it into a bar? Yeah, people are dumb. I'm sure he got fired. I'm sure he did. So my last production note is the opening credits are 100% in the papyrus font. Absolutely. <laughs> I saw Here's that the thing. I started laughing. In 1997, Microsoft Word was in its infancy. And you only had like 20 fonts. And papyrus was the one that was the most unique. It was that and wingdings. And you couldn't do it in wingdings. And then it blew up and everyone used fucking papyrus. And now it's like the comic sans of the font world again. Is that true? Oh, everyone hates papyrus. Oh, Everyone hates it. It's so historic. It is historic, and it was forever memorialized in this awful film. On to cast and crew, I already talked about how I had a crush on Mimi Siku when I everyone was did. That's 10. Cool. And that, His I, flowing I feel locks. like that's normal. He, he had, had like, really good hair. He had tattoos and shit. He, yeah, he had great he had tattoos. Hair. Yeah, he was bad boy at 13. He had that like super cute, naive face, too. And he still has it. He has a cute face. He still has the super cute face. He's a cute guy. Alexei Jovanovich, who is the mob boss, was played by David Ogden Stiers, who is a Disney... I wouldn't say a Disney legend yet. Maybe he is. I hope he is. He should be. He portrayed Cogsworth in Beauty and the Beast, Ratcliffe in Pocahontas, and Jumba in Lilo and Stitch. And bringing it back to, as I've mentioned before, my favorite show of all time, he was... Oh, God, what was his first name? No, I can't remember. Charles Emerson Winchester III in MASH. Ah, uh, oh yeah, he so was. You're right. That I think was his first major role. He was the Harvard-educated hoity-toity East Coast Democrat who didn't quite, never quite fit in. He took over for Frank Burns, I believe. I love MASH. Everyone, it's a great show. It's a, it great, is a show. great show. It's topical. You should watch it. Develop a weird crush on Alan Alda. Like I did. It was confusing. Yeah. No, I'm here with you. I also have a weird crush on Alan Alda. Thank you. I don't care if he's 80. I don't care. I have a weird crush on Alan Alda from MASH. Not like now. He's a crazy feminist. Good for him. He's a great guy. And he's been married for like 67 years. Like a million years. So I'm I'm into it. Yes. But yes, I love Hawkeye. For this and more MASH and actors trivia, tune into my podcast, Allie Talks About Shit Nobody Cares About. <laughs> Wait, isn't that this podcast? This is Allie and Jesse Talk About Shit Nobody Cares About. Oh, I'm about. sorry. You're right. This was the feature film debut of Lily Sobieski. I actually made a note that I didn't put in this that was, I feel mean saying this because she's so young, but I've always really hated Lily Sobieski and I don't, really? I don't have a good reason to. There's just something about her face. Her and like Jenna Malone, I just don't like their oh, faces. Interesting. I'm the opposite. I actually really like both of them. 
Really? Yeah. And I always have. Maybe I've just always kind of related to like the weird awkward girl thing. Which they both give off that vibe of weird, a awkward girl. Bit. I don't even know what I know Lily Sobieski from. She was in Never Been Kissed. She I've did a Joan of Arc once. miniseries. The, I think it was Joan of Arc that I remember her from. And that and was not long after this. And she fucked out of Hollywood at the age of 27 and left and gave it up. Good. Uh, mostly because she got tired of having to do like gross sex scenes and shit. She was apparently in Eyes Wide Shut too for a scene. I never saw that movie. I, I didn't just, either. I just looked up that movie yesterday. Yeah? Because it's based on a story from, I think, 1928 or something. Huh. I've never cared about that movie at I all. I have no so. like Stanley Kubrick. There. I said it. That's fair. Come but yeah, at me. So she, basi- she basically fucked out of Hollywood. And she- I read this article and it was all like, by 15, she was par- paying her parents rent and stuff. And they were just kind of stage mommy style. Mm. And it sucks. And it's stupid that kids are forced into acting mm-hmm. for our entertainment. All right. Let's get into it. Let's talk about this movie. So we've established that we didn't like this movie. So we're just going to go right ahead and pick it to pieces. To pieces. So it opens with a scene on the New York Stock Exchange. And look, I'm not I'm not a, a stock trader. I don't know anything about it, but Oh, you're not claiming an expertise in that? I'm one? not claiming an expertise in this one. Not ever not since things have changed since the crash of twenty nine. But the whole this has always bothered me in movies where the stock exchange is people standing in a room screaming, and I don't know how that is a form of business. Right? Like how is that what's guiding our entire country's economy what the fuck and he buys a bunch of stuff <laughs> there's so much exposition exposition in this one scene of him screaming on the stock exchange so what, what we find out in the span of like three minutes tim allen bought too much coffee on the stock exchange by screaming by screaming oh, i'll buy it yeah i didn't get that either then he has to leave new york because he's getting married but he's still married and has to get a divorce, so he's going to where his wife is, so you find out that that's happening. And you find out that his business partner, who is played by the incomparable Martin Short. Incomparable. He's the analytical and high-strung side of this partnership. Like, they really go into that, like, well, what am I going to do with all these beans? Oh, you're the smart one. You'll figure it out. I've trusted you for 15 years. Like, there's just so much. Ex- it's bad writing. There's yeah. so much exposition in this one scene. It is. And this is within, like... I don't know, the first five minutes of the movie. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So Michael goes in his business suit. Like, he doesn't even change into anything. In his, like, very 90s, big-shoulder, double-breasted business Pleated suit. Pleated pants. Yes. Goes to Venezuela, doesn't change. Seems like a poor decision. And even, like, when he's like, okay, well, you have to take this boat out to the village, doesn't change. Still wearing his suit and his tie. He seemed to think it was going to be an in-and-out thing, where if you're flying 3,000 miles... That's not in-and-out. I flew to London and I wore my like comfy pants because I was going to be on a plane for 12 hours. Right. I mean, to be fair, he's not changing time zones at all that much. I mean, there's maybe a little bit, but not like here to In Venezuela? Really? I'm looking up right now. Oh, they're the same time zone as New York. That's wild. Right? It's still far, though. I mean, it's still far, but it's not like he's going to have like weird jet laggy issues to deal with. Hey Siri, how long is the flight from New York to Venezuela? I found an answer. It's displayed on your iPhone. It's only four hours. 
Well, fuck. That's crazy. Okay. I did not... I didn't see that coming. So maybe he really did think it was going to be an in-and-out kind of deal. At the speed of sound, it's only three hours, and at the speed of light, it's 17 milliseconds, is what Siri's telling me. <laughs> Thank I you, I don't know Siri. why she thought I needed that information, <laughs> but there it is. That's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, so he goes, he's in a boat dipping his cloth. Did he just have a fucking handkerchief? Yeah, he was a fancy man in the late 90s. He dips his cloth in the water and piranhas attack it. And here's the thing. Again, I'm not a fish expert anymore. I was at one point. What is it, an ichthyologist? Ichiologist? It's been a long time, so I don't remember what it's called, but I don't think piranhas attack cloth. No, they don't. Actually, they don't actually really attack things unless they're really hungry. Just like everyone else. You've never attacked a buffet when you're starving. Right. So apparently a lot of the mythology around piranhas comes from Teddy Roosevelt writing about it in a book. That guy was legit, though. He was legit, but apparently when he went down to Venezuela, they... I don't know if it was Venezuela, but somewhere in South America. And he... The villagers had trapped a bunch of piranhas in, like, a net and not fed them. I, like, made them rabid almost Yeah, longer. and then gave them a cow and they tore it to shreds. Which, you know, if you're hungry, that's what you do. So that... He wrote about that and that's where, like, this whole urban myth that they will eat anything. So they don't actually... They're more of the, like, if you attack them, they'll attack you back kind of deal. Just like me. Just like us. Oh my god, can we talk about the mom because she sucks. She's pretty awful. This woman is a bitch. So when Michael shows up on the island and starts talking to his his soon-to-be ex-wife Patricia, it is revealed in another crazy exposition scene that they never really discussed why she left him because she left him basically in the dead of night. They've never bothered to get a divorce, even though they've been separated for like 15 or 13 years. Well, she fucked off to Venezuela, so. She fucked off. She's a doctor, and she left him under the, the darkness of night, and she said it was because a phone... A fifth phone line was being installed. A fifth phone line was going to be installed. And that's when she realized that he was really business obsessed and she had lost sight of him. By the way, they'd been married for a year when this happened. You know what? I totally respect this. Yes, she should have handled it better. But yeah, if he's getting a fifth phone line installed, fuck this guy. Get out. You have to have a conversation. You can't just be like, I'm going to leave. You can't just go to Venezuela, apparently pregnant. Right, so she fucked off to Venezuela, to not just Venezuela, but to a remote island community. Yeah. And was pregnant and didn't tell him. I'm guessing she didn't know until she got there. Just just never told him. And she even says, I tried to write you a thousand letters and didn't know what to say. How about you have a kid? Hey, P.S., when I left you, I was knocked up. I took something with me. <laughs> It's so shitty, and she's not a good mother. She's letting her kid wander around in a loincloth. I'm going to disagree with you on this one. Mm-mm, I didn't I, like because it. Because I think that he has been trained and raised by this village, and he knows how to survive out in the wilds like they all do. I wouldn't let my kid go out there. You don't even want kids, so... Because I wouldn't let them wander out in the desert, so I wouldn't, or the jungle, so I wouldn't be good at it. All right, fair enough. It just doesn't... I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me... I mean, clearly he's capable. He's knowledgeable in what he needs to survive. How come he doesn't speak perfect English when his mother is a native speaker? Because why would they be speaking English when they're in a village full of people speaking a different language? Because that's that's her native language. So? 
she's not going to default into into whatever language they're speaking. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, he was he was probably that whole what takes a village concept. So I imagine that he heard more of this other language than he heard of English. I don't I absolutely don't buy it. No. His English should he should have been bilingual. He should have been like I'm yeah, not he should have been him. a lot better. I'm not blaming this fake character that doesn't really exist. Yeah, it's not this kid's fault that his parents are assholes. It's just the worst. They're terrible people. The only people in this movie who aren't awful are the villagers. Yeah. Shocking. I don't know. I, I'm going to make an argument that Mimisuku is not an asshole. I think he is. He's a 13-year-old kid and he doesn't know anything. Yeah, That's that makes him fault. an asshole. They're all fault. assholes. Name one 13-year-old who's an asshole. Okay, yeah, that's but right, that's just natural... Thir- okay, I have an 11-year-old, and let me tell you, oh, holy shit, she's such an asshole lately. I'll bet. I will, however, I will always find the joke of someone pretending that they don't understand English will always be hilarious to me. It it's will always good, be. It's a it good was, gotcha moment. It was in George of the Jungle. The guides yes. all acted like they didn't know English, and it was so fucking funny. And it was funny here, too, when he's acting like he doesn't understand his dad, and then they're in the boat. He's like, no, you're an idiot. This is this word for this. I'm trying yeah. to tell you that. I will say, I remember watching this movie with my mom when I was younger, and he made the Yoko Ono joke. Yeah. Bertha Cannon saying Yoko Ono. And my, I remember my mom saying, man, they're still pulling at her, huh? <laughs> it's been like 25 years since she's been relevant. People still make Yoko Ono jokes. She is kind of terrible. I mean... When your art project is standing in the middle of a street screaming... Yeah, that's something. Uh, anyway... There's a scene where they are discussing the villagers are able to pick their own names. Yes. So it's mentioned that Mimisiku roughly translated means cat piss because it was a territorial thing. And Michael, Tim Allen's character, says he wants to be called something that means man who's extremely well endowed. And I just don't want Disney to make dick jokes. No, if they are, could they at least make better dick jokes? It's one that definitely went over kids' heads, for sure. Sure, like no kid's going to understand what that means. As an adult, it's not a good joke. Like if you watch the Muppet, the Muppet movies. Mm-hmm. They are totally full of jokes that kids will think are funny because they don't understand it. And adults right. will be like, oh, it's shit. Yeah. Like, I didn't know what sniffing a wine cork was when I was a kid. That was something weird. Like, now I'm just like, oh, this this is like a weird waiter who's trying who's like pissed off with a pretentious patron. <laughs> like, yeah. that, that shit is funny. Yeah. Also, more me dogpiling on my hatred of Patricia. This whole, the whole quest of like, you have to go get fire from the Statue of Liberty. Right. She fucking knows it's not real fire, but she's like, oh, you have to take him. He needs to fulfill this or he'll never be a man. Fuck yeah, you. Yeah, right? Like, you gotta give your kids some life skills, lady. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He gets his dad to promise to take him, so he goes- Just by guilting, giving him puppy dog eyes. So I have so many questions about this airplane ride. This is similar to George the Jungle. Very similar to George the Jungle. Does this kid have a passport? No. Probably not, because his mom fucked off to Venezuela and clearly has done none of the like bureaucratic paperwork necessary for that. So he doesn't have a passport. He's not wearing shoes. He's not wearing any other clothes besides his loincloth. He has a fucking tarantula? Um, It's a... I'm sorry. Bird-eating spider, Jesse. Which is, it's just a type of tarantula. I'm not wrong. Oh, is that true? Okay. Yeah. It's in the same family as tarantulas. So he has a tarantula, and he has a fucking bow and arrow. I will get into how much I fucking hate his goddamn bow and arrow later. This kid is a (laughs) shit. He's a shit. But like, how do they? And it's not like they're flying on a private jet. Like we can argue that 
Ursula Stanhope was in Georgia Jungle. Does he have the tarantula on the, like, in the, do we know it's on the cargo area? He could have checked it. I don't think he would have checked this. Like, and then it would just been, we would have, okay, if he had checked the tarantula, we would have gotten a goofy montage scene of the tarantula in the airplane. That's a good point. What I would have done was put it in its little basket, and I would have duct taped it shut, and I would have thrown it in the ocean. There are when, when once they land in New York, of course, he's all like he's got those anime star eyes, and he's so fascinated. Your village is so big, baboon. Your village is so big, baboon. Around here, only postal employee kill chief. That's right. What is more topical and easier to relate to than a homicidal postal employee reference? Right. Let's Wasn't that just... just one guy? Yeah. Okay, well... But that's the term that has stuck around forever. It's awful. It's been like 30 years. 20, going postal years. is yeah, still going a thing. postal. God, what a fucking country we live in. Jesus Christ. <sighs> Everything's going real bad right now. So they bring Mimisuku back to his apartment where Charlotte is. No, he, they bring him to her fashion studio first. Yes. Where Karen is being dressed in... The most stereotypical 90s formal wear teenage. I loved it. I loved the clothes. I loved the crop tops. I loved the chunky highlights. I loved that I was stepping inside of Adelia's catalog. I loved everything <laughs> about it. Loved uh, it. The costumes in this were legit. They, whoever did that just, they literally probably just walked into Adelia's. And, because like Karen is wearing everything that I remember owning as a 12 year old in the 90s. Yep. Loved that, it. That orange dress with the white trim. Love it. Love it. Had one. For sure had one just like that, I think. I should order stuff from Delia's and just, should I just start dressing like a, like a 90s model? Oh, you're about like three years too late. The 90s have already come. I think we're moving back into the 70s by this point. So many hairy chests. So many hairy chests. But yeah, the fashion, like Charlotte's outfit is intense. The matching like top and pants. I love it. In the, I love it. the coat. It was intense. So you they bring him super there and then mm-hmm. they have the whole thing where he's out on the outside of the building. Oh, and what is he doing out there again? Um, He's just looking around. I think he was like, yeah. oh, look, I can go out here. Cool. He has no fear of no fear heights. And then they go back to the apartment and then Michael and Charlotte have this whole conversation about how they weren't going to have kids and they were... The quote, I wrote the quote, and I think I also put this in the problematic stuff. When we talked about children, we agreed that you would be my child and I would be your child. As a childless person, I don't see a problem with that. I don't think that you should be each other's children. I think you should just be I think it's more like we're going to take care of each other. We don't have any interest in taking care of a kid. Okay, sure. But like, I still have to take care of Connor just because we have a kid doesn't mean I'm not taking care of him too. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, you guys take care. You also have Abby, so you take care of her too. But then we don't have that. So we just take care of each other is what I'm saying. Yeah, but you're not treating each other like children. No, we're not. That is weird. I think her wording was wrong. I actually like Charlotte a lot, so I'm kind of no, on her I, side I'm, with this. I'm okay with Charlotte. I actually don't have any problems with Charlotte. I think Charlotte was basically right most of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think she was done dirty a little bit. She was done real dirty. <laughs> uh, but then Michael says something that which is like the most self-aware line in this movie. He says, we can go back to the way we were, entirely wrapped up in ourselves. See, and that's the thing. Like, I don't hate them for that because... Like, they didn't see this child coming sure, along. Sure, no, I'm and... not. It's just super self-aware to be like, yeah. we didn't want kids. This is not what we were planning on. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. The fact that he's a complete dickhead is a totally different conversation. Here's the thing about Tim Allen. He is the way he is. And the 90s probably made him feel like he was invincible. The invincible Tim Allen. Yeah. Which for a guy with 
not great teeth and that pot belly was a very confident stance to take. Well, and I don't think that Tim Allen's that attractive. He's not. He looks like a normal looking dude. And maybe that was part of his appeal. Probably. He's not a hottie, but he's no. not a naughty at the same time. He is very conservative, though. But very, he was busted for drugs, which makes him. Yeah, because he got busted for drugs when he had like a 70s porn stash. Yeah. I don't like conservatives. Nope, they're the worst. <laughs> Fuck all y'all. Eat the rich. Anyway, go ahead. Eat the rich. In true New York fashion, no one is questioning this kid running around in a loincloth. Everyone's just like, yep, that's New York. That actually happened more in George, too, in San yeah. Francisco, where nobody looked at him because it's San Francisco, so right, who cares like if the guy's running around in a dress? One of my favorite stories that I read on Tumblr was from somebody who had a lot of, like, anxieties and things, and they had a lot of issues, and they were trying to, they had to take a bunch of luggage on the subway, and they were really stressed out about it, and they had, like, they had to bring their suitcase onto the subway, and it was awful, and they're sitting on the subway, and then a guy across from her just pulls a fish out of his coat, and she realized she was never going to be the weirdest thing in New York. Like, nothing no. matters because you're never going to be the weirdest thing happening in New York. There's always going to be something f- weirder. That's how I feel when I go to the dentist and feel dumb, and I was like, he's probably seen worse than this. Right, exactly. You're never the worst. There's always somebody who's worse at it. I wonder how that makes the person who is the worst feel. They probably don't know that they're the worst. No, they probably think somebody else is the worst. And you know what? Good for them. <laughs> I'm going to add on to the list of characters I hate. I'm going to just chuck Mimi Siku on there. This guy's a fucking brat. His dad is like, look, I brought you here because Mimi Siku ran away from, from the apartment. He just like decided to strike out on his own. Fair. Killing pets or whatever along the way. Not and when fair, he yeah. when he's caught, his dad picks him up and says, like, look, I brought you here because I was obligated. I wasn't ready for this. I, I don't really know how to handle this whole responsibility. And this kid throws a tantrum and starts and he runs into traffic. And he is 13, so he's not a baby. Okay, so the running into traffic part is not great. But to be fair to Mimisiku, in the previous scene, he says what is obligated. And his dad defines obligated as something that you don't really want to do. So what Okay, but he's that is him, the definition of obligated. Okay, but, but you don't tell your 13-year-old kid you just met that you're obligated to take him with you but he's also never been a dad until the last five minutes so. well you know what you probably had to be delicate and polite with other people so maybe you should figure that out michael cromwell maybe his son should have a little thicker skin i don't he's know what you 13 want from me. and he's living in a village even, with 12 other people i don't even know who i'm defending at this point i hate everybody in this fucking movie i am defending mimisuku because this poor kid did not ask for this shit neither did the dad yeah, he did. He was an asshole to his wife. But the wife also left without a okay, word. Okay, she was also an asshole. I'm not saying she's right. Mimi Siku is fine. Everyone else, except for Charlotte and Andrew. Andrew is my favorite character in this movie. <laughs> I hated him. I, <laughs> I out love a, it. I cut out a line that was like, this kid's a fucking shithead. <laughs> I love him. We'll get there. All right, okay. Oh, and then there's the whole scene where they're when he, Michael finally catches up with him, and he's like, "You're an adolescent, Mimisiku. You're just a child." Blah blah blah. And Mimisiku just comes back with, "You're an adolescent, sick burn." Yeah, Mimisiku's his definition sick. definitely left a lot of room for. Uh, well, I mean, that was that, there. Yeah. Um, this was a cinematic moment I hated when they're just kind of walking through New York and suddenly there is a music fest. And I've been to New York many, many times. One of my best friends went to NYU and I visited her after Bradshaw and I broke up and spent a few days out there like in her dorm. I've been there a, t- a bunch of times and my favorite memory 
always is when we would walk through Central Park and there would be impromptu dance parties, which happen 24-7, like race, religion, creed. They take a back seat to just the rhythm. Oh, wait, that's literally never happened. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was wrong. That doesn't happen. I, I wrote, and I put this right below your shoe because I wrote the exact same thing. It was this multicultural dance scene in the park definitely makes up for all of the racism, classism, and misogyny. All is forgiven because we're all, we're all communing now as one people. I hated it. I hated everything about that scene. And they had the one black guy on bongos like that made, like, look, we have a black. Yeah. That song, I found it, is called It's My Life. It was performed by Dana Hudson. Okay. I mean, that's what it is. I think it was written for this movie. It was kind of a definitive 90s pop song. Like, You know, a really a good reference to this would be that song in Enchanted. That's I've how you know. I've seen that movie once. There's a song, That's How You Know, when oh. some dude starts playing a bongo in oh, Central yeah. Park and she starts singing and Patrick Dempsey is like, why does everyone know this song? I don't know <laughs> this right. song. That's great. Wonderful throwback. So then, for for reasons unknown, oh, it's just because Michael and Charlotte want, like, alone time because they've had this kid for a day and it's too much. They send Mimisuku to, is it Richard? Richard. Well, okay. Richard's house. Okay. Again, in Charlotte's defense, she probably wants to have some time to discuss how are we going to approach this? Are we suddenly, like, parents... To be fair, she did get this entire situation dropped on her. Like, he has a satellite phone. Couldn't he have called from an airport and been like, hey, heads up. Hey, guess what? I'm bringing my 13-year-old formerly unknown until the second son. And he's got a loincloth. Get ready for that. And a bunch of young kids are thirsty over Look, him. he's the worst. Charlotte needs to cut and run. She should hook up with Ian, the photographer. No, he's also a dick. I'll marry her. Do it. I'll go for it, Charlotte. So he goes to Richard's house... Mimi Siku spends like a couple days at Richard's house, which is like out in the fucking. Wait, what how is far this? away does he live? Because that I is don't... not anywhere right in New York City. I that don't is know not anywhere near to the stock exchange. What the suburbs of New York are, I don't. I should know that, but whatever they are, you can bet that in 1997 that was a million dollar house, if not more. Yeah, well, it was a nice like, house. It was a, a beautiful nice yard. house, a huge house, and a huge yard. There's no way that's like closer than an hour to Manhattan. Hey Siri, what are some popular suburbs in New York City? The best rated one I see is Salsa in the suburbs. No, not Salsa in the suburbs. (laughs) No, what the hell? She thought I said, what are, no, stop it. Oh my God, stop. Never mind. Siri, you're fired. But so he goes to this house, this beautiful, huge house. Yeah. And then we meet Karen and Andrew, who are Richard's children. The most 90s names ever. Very 90s. Andrew is my favorite character in this movie because <laughs> when he gets introduced he says that's a dumb name and then his mom goes he probably thinks andrew is a dumb name and andrew just responds with so do i yeah he is kind of a little rebel isn't he he's great i loved it there is also the line where a little while later when michael shows up to get mimisiku he starts kind of lecturing richard on how to how to parent and Richard right. says this I think very relatable quote of like I have been a father for 12 years for every day for 12 years I have worried about my children their health their happiness their crooked teeth no offense Andrew and Andrew goes not taken <laughs> <laughs> so then maybe Suku meets the fish and they are going to make fish sticks or whatever like 
Yeah, frozen fish sticks, which she was gonna, the mom was gonna make. Jan, the wife, is like the most stereotypical suburban white mom of the 90s. She's making frozen fish sticks. She thinks he can't hear her. As she speaks louder, he'll understand her. Yeah. She's just in her outfit. Oh, damn, that was some serious 90s mom look. She had that little gold watch that I hate. My number one enemy, the little. Tiny gold watches on women's wrists are the, my number one trigger. I fucking hate them. I think there's something that causes a visceral, physiological reaction in me. I want to scream when I see them. <laughs> and I don't... I didn't even notice this watch. It's been that way literally since I was five years old. I My sister used to have a bracelet that had little horses on it. it was, I was afraid of it. Weird. I've hated gold. I hate gold. I hate it. I hate whales and gold. I will return that tennis bracelet that I got you. And fascism. If you ever got me a tennis bracelet, I would cry because I wouldn't know what to do. (laughs) So Mimi Siku eats the fancy ass fish. Got a rant about that too. I'm sure you do. This kid is fucked up. Okay, so he he's on the balcony and he shoots his pigeon, defying every possible safety rule that he's ever been taught because he's shooting a fucking arrow right towards next to somebody's person. head right. towards a person. He's talking about eating the cat. I know I have a note about this, but I'm so angry. I'm not even looking at my Do notes. It. You go. He's He keeps talking about wanting to eat the Persian cat that Charlotte has. And like, I'm... A hundred percent sure every culture has some form of like domesticated animal they keep as a pet. Right. Every culture has that. And he's ignoring it. And then he fucking roasts these fish that he has specifically been told are Richard's pets. Oh, these are the exotic fish. And he's like, well, I'm a little asshole, so I don't give a shit what they think. I'm just going to roast them anyway. Look, these taste good. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to eat your processed garbage. Fuck you. Fuck you, little shithead. my rant i found him very irritating no really um i think the eating the fish thing was pretty fucked up like they're in a tank they're not wild caught right clearly they're not supposed to be eaten am i wrong clearly they're not okay so my problem with the fish is that richard's claims that he spends $10,000 on these fish. Yeah. Maybe if you didn't spend $10,000 on fish, you wouldn't have to worry about your mortgage so much. I mean, yeah. Also, let's not spend shame, people. Is that a thing? Did I make that up? You might have made that up. (laughs) I am 100% going to spend shame him on this. Don't spend $10,000 on fish if you're worried about your mortgage. Yeah, that's fair. Like, though, don't get fish, save your house. Get fish, maybe not save your house? All right, let's do it. Let's talk about the Russian mob storyline. What is there to talk about? It's fucking stupid. Why it's is pointless. It, even there? it doesn't even make sense to me. Like, this movie could have been just fine without that entire thing. It could have just been a cultural misunderstanding movie where, like, yeah. this kid is not. Like, that could have been the entire movie and it would have been fine. It probably would have been a better fucking movie without this whole Russian mob scene. My note was this entire Russian mob subplot is truly one of the stupidest things on this tree that is heavy with stupid fruit. <laughs> It is. It's just like, it's. it comes out of nowhere. There's a term for storytelling when you add too much extra stuff. And I don't know, I don't remember what it is. But this had the potential of being just like a really good, yeah, cultural misunderstanding, like family yeah. bonding movie. Even throwing Martin Short's family into it. Sure. No, like, I think this that's, is a, I think that's a really good exposure. 
And I again, I love Martin Short, so I like a huge sauce off for him. But this whole subplot was so pointless and so like that review said, so tired and trite. And right. David Augenstyers was wasted in this role. Wasted. He was a brilliant actor, and he was totally wasted. It's just stupid. Yeah, it was just like, so they set up this Richard character as the level-headed, like super smart part of this partnership, but then they give him the Russian subplot, which doesn't make any sense. Shouldn't Tim Allen's character have been the one to be like, I found a deal. We'll make it happen. Yeah. And also because the Richard character, the Martin Short character is a family man so he had a lot more at stake he had a lot more to risk for this he's not gonna get messed up mixed up with the russian Russian mob right it's so weird they take your thumbs tom nuke style well and then let's talk about the poor the other poor business guy that we only ever see with the russian mob who's just like in every scene is more and more beat up until okay, he's literally Okay, but that is that is kind a of a funny cast. trope that this it's, is just like the the fucking pansy who keeps getting or patsy who keeps getting patsy, beat yeah. up. This poor dude who we I only ever see in these scenes, that poor guy. He needed to get out. And then they come to the house, this beautiful giant fucking mansion that Richard has, and these kids have to sit and like fight the mob. These kids are probably in therapy for years. This is where the movie went like totally downhill this last 15 minutes where I was like, this went from being kind of a dumb fan movie to just being straight up stupid. Yeah. It was just stupid. The Russian mob storyline put it over the edge. Like this could have been a good coming of age cultural differences kind of movie. And instead they added the fucking mob. Oh, the 90s. They defeat the mob and Mimisuku goes home and Michael, like they're talking in the airport and Michael's literally like, yeah, I'm probably not going to come. Can I interject one thing? You put a note here you didn't read off, which was when Mimisiku is with Richard's family because Michael wants some private time with Charlotte, Richard shows up, he crashes their date and starts talking and he's nervously eating. He's just stressed like, eating off of all of the stress, plates coming He's from like the grabbing their food. He's like grabbing shit off of the warmer and you said that's relatable and i 100 percent agree it's so relatable he's because he's just like he's standing right by the kitchen where the plates come out and he's just like grabbing shit off i would be shoving so much bread in my mouth if that was me (laughs) right yeah anyway that's a little behind but i thought that was a really funny note you made oh we didn't talk anything about karen and mimisiku out in the evening doing their fish catching thing i thought it was just a cute little like 13 year old story yeah that was a cute little scene solid cute little 13 year old love story yeah yeah the whole thing even like just falling asleep in the hammock together it's just cute yeah i do get why the dad might be like what's going on here just because right but they're also like you're at that weird that weird place when she's 12 and you don't really know what's going on and you're like a dude so you overreact to stuff but i thought it was sweet yeah. So the Mimi Siku is going home. He's going yeah. back to Venezuela. He wants to. He wants to go out back, so he's going back. And this movie is so pre-9-11, it's not even funny. Yeah. They're sitting at the gate, Michael and Mimi Siku. He's Remember got that? a fucking bow and arrow on his back. The tarantula is probably in his backpack. Like, Yeah. They didn't care back they then. They didn't care. Probably Spirit Airlines. So he goes home, and they he his dad gives him a phone and he's like tearing up on the plane. Like, is no one concerned about this child on an international flight by himself? It was crying? also, was that a satellite phone? Yeah. So I wrote another note I didn't put in here was 
there's no way that fucking car phone was going to work because it looked just like one of those old 90s yeah. car phones. Well, and I, because I wrote, how is he going to charge this fucking phone when he's in Venezuela? But when we get to the scene where he's finally learning to read with his mother, apparently he's reading Call of the Wild by Jack London. I looked, I saw that on a note. But so they have like a solar panel for this phone. So like this poor kid, like here's where I feel like poor Mimisiku, you have been screwed over in life by everything. He's got this phone set up already, even though he doesn't think his dad's going to come. He doesn't think his dad's going to call. Yeah. This poor child set up this phone and has it charged so that just in case he's ready, in case his dad calls. Anyway, so his dad does call. He killed a fly with a dart in the middle of the fucking floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Brought the rotting fly carcass all the way with him to the Amazon. Still in his business suit. Again. The drip will not take a backseat, Jesse. <laughs> And then we get the freeze frame, my least favorite freeze frame of the 90s movies, with the white guy going like, what, me? Yeah, so one of my last notes on here was, how do we feel? Because the, the movie ends with Michael showing up there to hang out with his son, and then Mimi Siku being like, well, how's Karen? How's Karen? And how's Karen? And him saying, well, why don't you ask her yourself? The whole family's coming to visit. How do the natives feel about all these white people being like, hey, we're on vacation? And also, why did Karen not get eaten by piranhas? Was she being dragged along? She jumped into the water and swam to shore. Because the power of love envelops you like how Lily Potter enveloped Harry and he didn't die. My bad. My mistake. We do have to talk about the location that they filmed in, though. That was fucking gorgeous. All those opening shots. Yeah. Going through Venezuela, like, that was beautiful. The writing in this movie was terrible. This whole movie was fucking terrible. Don't watch it. Don't watch it unless you're a big Tim Allen fan. Then but still I don't watch you it because you know, need to re-examine your life. I want you to know that it, it on the scale of the Santa Claus to Richer or Poorer, it's way below Richer or Poorer. I don't know if I ever saw movie. Richer or Poorer. Oh, girl. Kirstie Alley, Tim Allen. Do you know what it's about? No. It's about, let me tell you, it is about someone who's like Michael Karama, like a wealthy stock exchanger and his well-to-do wife. And he gets, he's under, um, I don't know if it's the FBI or again, the Russian mafia, but he's caught up in some scandal. So they go undercover as Amish people. Oh my God. I do remember this one now. I'm going to watch it tonight. I'm, it. I now have to. I've seen that movie so many times. And there's one scene where they have sex. They haven't sex in like forever. But when they're Amish, they like fall back in love. Oh. It's a great movie. Let's start a Richard Rapport podcast where all I talk about is that movie. <laughs> we just watch that movie every week and it do was, another podcast it was a, about it. It was a great 90s rom-com. I... Do you kind of remember it now that you say that? I don't know. I feel like I might have seen it, but I don't remember it. Oh, I saw if it it's so streaming times. somewhere, let me know. I'll pay for it. I don't care. I'll pay three ninety nine. <laughs> when Will gets home, I'm gonna be like, guess what we're watching. Oh, there's one other thing. There is a song in here that caught me completely off guard. There's a Peter G- Peter Gabriel song. Yes. And I like it came on. I was like, oh shit, this is like a legit musician. What are they doing in this movie? So it's called Shaking the Tree, which he originally did with Yusu Nador, who is a Sengalese musician. But the version in this movie is called The Jungle Remix, and it was done with Shaggy. I fucking thought that was Shaggy. You were right. It is, however, a song about women's rights in Africa. Sure, that fits. So... What are you saying? <laughs> I'll look up the lyrics. 
that is a good Peter Gabriel because he did the theme, the the credits theme for Wally too. Oh, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Eleven years later. Eleven years later. We should do Wally soon. What a great movie! That is a and great so movie. topical because so we're topical. we're destroying the Earth for we capitalism. Sure fucking are as well as ourselves now. Yeah, we're all gonna get real sick. Please wear a mask, people. I can't yes. tell you how many. I saw so many families of with like small children and babies not wearing masks today. Ugh. I know you got big dicks. So put on masks anyway, will you? All right. Should we get into some of the problematic aspects of this movie? I feel like we've con- we've touched on a lot of them so far. Oh, we didn't hit the obligatory Disney fat jokes. Um, can I tell you how uncomfortable I was when that happens? Yeah. So there is a scene when Michael first gets to the village and he's trying to find his the woman he's trying to divorce, Patricia, and he's directed to a hut. I don't remember the name of the the name they were using, but Patricia said, oh, I couldn't come because this whatever this name was, was having her first litter. And he turns to the very obese woman and said, congratulations. And it's funny because she's fat like a pig. Oh, get it? Do you so get it? Because pigs have litters and she's fat. So she's like a pig. Yeah. And that's when I was like, this is this movie's going to be terrible. <laughs> this movie's not going to go well. They keep making fun of this woman later because they're talking about how he can sleep with the bachelors or he can sleep with this woman. And he's like, well, guess I'm sleeping with the bachelors. <laughs> yeah, because I don't want to sleep next to her because don't she's sleep fat. want to sleep with a fat girl. Oh, you see how fat she is? It's so, disgusting. So fat. It was like it really, it really bothered me a lot. So there's this thing towards the beginning of the movie where Mimisiku gives a girl in the village a pot, and it's explained that that's like giving someone flowers. So basically, he's like yeah. macking on this girl in the village. What happened to this girl? So he's macking on this girl. He gave her a fucking pot, and then he goes off to New York and meets the white girl, and just totally ne- we never see the other girl again. Oh well, yeah, because he met a white girl. He met a white girl, Karen, the white girl. Twin flames. Her name is Karen. Who names their 12-year-old Karen? Terrible. You kind of touched on this in one of the reviews when they're getting a taxi and he says it's magic. You stick out your arm and you get a taxi. And Michael's like, no, it's not magic. Magic will be if he understands English. (laughs) Because (laughs) he's a foreigner. They don't speak English because they're stupid. Because he learned an entire second language and I bet you can't even speak English that well. Yeah, how many languages do you know, Michael? Oh, one, loosely. (laughs) And you can't even define words very well for your son? Funny. Speaking of Michael, this guy is the fucking worst. No one should be marrying this guy. He should not be anyone's husband. No, Charlotte is too good for him. Charlotte is way too good for him. Charlotte set clear expectations of what she was hoping to get out of this relationship. She said what she wanted and what her hopes were. And he just like regularly thwarts her and says like, fuck you. Oh, look, I brought a fucking kid home. Oh, I know you didn't want kids, but I didn't even give you any heads up on this. Yeah, it's true. And like, I, I don't blame... I'm not saying that Patricia was right to leave him and never say anything, but like, shit, I would have left him too. Probably would have said a few more words before I did, but five phone lines in one apartment? That's ridiculous. Well, it doesn't make any sense. It also doesn't make any sense. Before cell phones and call waiting and... Oh, it's not even... I mean, we talked about this too, but like, calling him Indians. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the the number one... the, The first issue, we'll say, with the original... And then there's, he's going on this quest because, so he can be chief someday. Why would this kid be chief? Because he's white. That's the thing. None of it makes any sense. It doesn't make any sense. No. 
This movie, this movie sucks, everyone. Awful. I'm this really sorry. So okay, here's the thing. We are planning on doing like every Disney movie, so we'll be busy for the next 75 years, and yeah. we are going to do this one eventually, so it's not my fault that we did it, Jesse. It's not you my fault. We're very adamant that we do this movie. You were well, excited about doing this movie. makes you feel any better, a big childhood memory was ruined for me. It does make me feel better. Thank you. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> it's not a good movie. Don't bother watching it. I just posted a selfie on Instagram saying don't bother watching it it's so bad it's we're going to do the santa claus around christmas and that's a we're much all better three of them. tim allen movie yeah we're do the santa claus series yes all three of them are great i don't remember most of them but i can't believe that they're actually going to be that great as we watch them again they're fun no we'll i watched them a couple years ago okay. when will went to ohio for christmas and i couldn't so i was here by myself and i ate that whole cake I ate an entire berries and cream cake by myself and watched all three Santa Claus movies. And you know what? I'm happy I did it. It was a good night. I had nothing else going on. What was I going to do? Oh, and I watched A Christmas Prince again for like the sixth time that night. I never made it through the second one of that. When she's pregnant? Yeah, it was really bad. There's a third one, I think. I know. I couldn't make it through the second one, though. Like, I just couldn't even do it. I watched the first one. The first one was a cute, fun... It's fun, yeah. Like Hallmark-ass. Yeah. But I could not make it through I did not watch A Christmas Night. That's the one where there's the I like didn't time Vanessa Hudgens, night. right? And Selena Gomez. I don't know. No, watch yes, that you're one. right. Vanessa Hudgens. It was Vanessa Hudgens. Mm-hmm. I meant to watch that and I never did. Anyway, back to this podcast, I guess. Anything else? No, nothing else. This movie fucking sucks. What would you rate this movie, Allie? I'm going to give this movie three out of ten creepy tarantula spiders. That's fair. I am going to give it. Two out of seven piranhas. <laughs> That's probably pretty even, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Yeah. That's math. I'm not doing math right now. I'm like three drinks in. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our episode about Jungle to Jungle. We hope that you also don't ever watch this movie. Don't do it. Learn from our mistakes. Learn from our mistakes. If we wildly fuck something up, please let us know. If you just disagree with us, you can also let us know, but we don't care. We don't. We can't care about anything right now. Lisa, no. what do you think about us? So. No, I got a quarantine life to lead. Yeah. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WTPAPod. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. We really love the ratings. That's really great. It's also, cool. we want to hear from people. What are What do you think of the movies we're talking about? Yeah, let us know on Twitter or email WTPAPod at gmail.com. What do you want to hear more of? Less of? Are we too political? Not political enough? What movie should we watch next? Let us know because we are racked with indecision. <laughs> we there are so many, and they're what all are we missing. Not good. Yeah, there's got to be one. Someone's going to be like, "Why haven't you done, Why have you done this one? Why have you done?" Yeah, because we're trying to spice those out. We are. We're trying to save the good ones to have something to look forward to. Turns out the Disney Renaissance was only like eight movies. <laughs> And everything else was like 50. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Wash your hands. Wash your goddamn hands. Wash other people's hands. Wash everyone's hands. Grab them. Just scrub. Drag them to the sinks. Steal babies. And wash their hands.
I feel like this is going to be one of our more boring episodes because the movie was so bad. It was so bad. This might end up being a shorter episode, finally. That's fine. Every time we're like, this isn't going to be that long, we still go for, like, ever. I didn't talk during the Cat from Outer Space. You didn't. I tried. I tried <laughs> to keep it short, but I had Will, so. <laughs> he had a lot to say. He always does. 